0: Howdy ho neighbors, how y'all doing? I'm sure these guys found that funnier when we tried that two weeks ago, but welcome to The Convince Me Show. All right guys, welcome. We are back. The three of us are back. The boys are back in town. Andy Rutherford joined as always by Mr. Brian Bennett, and welcome back, Mr. Casey Elrod. I'm glad to see you're now above the weather, as opposed to being under the weather.
1: I'm really surprised, guys, that the show didn't burn down with me absent last week. Uh, it's still standing, barely, but it's still standing by hair.
0: Hey, we held our own. Oh, no. and I don't know.
1: We hobbled
2: along. A couple guys
0: a couple guys yesterday made us look smart um a guy or two yesterday, maybe not so much, but for the most part, I think week one was good uh, a good start for the
1: predictions we laid down last week. I'm really excited about the show tonight. I mean I feel like this is that uh match match up with uh, uh the rock and John Cena that took a year to get to us at WrestleMania a few years ago. That's how I feel like this episode is tonight.
0: It's definitely our most anticipated episode uh, ever. Uh, (laughs) This should be our greatest episode ever, seeing as our two combatants tonight um, have had two and a half weeks to prepare uh, for this show. Guys, we are finally doing Simpsons versus Family Guy. um, if you've been following us on our socials, which I will plug in just a moment, you will know we originally uh, advertised this show for the episode two weeks ago. Um, my computer battery decided that even being plugged into the wall was not enough power source. Um, and we had to put it off a week. And then Elrod contracted a sickness that he wouldn't let him talk uh, I didn't know I didn't know we could get that lucky uh, but, yeah. but he he was out so me and Bennett made do with our NFL prediction show and now this week we are finally uh, finally going to hit you guys with Simpsons versus Family Guy like I said make sure you're following us on our socials to keep up with all the latest happenings uh, probably our most active page is over at Facebook uh, some of you are watching this preview on Facebook, but for those in the podcast or YouTube, uh, it's Facebook.com slash Convince Me Show. We are on Instagram. Uh, the handle there is Convince Me Show. We are on YouTube, tinyurl.com slash Convince Me Show. It is the only place to watch the video version of these shows in their entirety. Uh, there's a preview that goes up on Tuesday nights, but the only place to watch to watch the entire episode is on YouTube. That drops on Wednesday mornings. The podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, drops on Wednesday mornings. And also, we are over on Twitter. Our uh, Twitter Twitter handle there is at Convince Me Show. And make sure you're there this week because next week, you guys, once again, are picking the topic and I will go over those topics at the end of the episode. But guys, I think it's time to end the anticipation. I think it's time to finally get down to the, I guess, crosstown, not really, but rivalry. It's Springfield versus Quahog. It's the Griffins versus the Simpsons. It is the Simpsons versus family guy are you
1: guys ready to rock let's do it let's do this
2: i, w- I was born ready for this he this was. is like my wheelhouse animated tv that's my thing simpsons that's right in there my thing this is going to be probably one of our best episodes and probably be my favorite episode <laughs> when it's all said and done
1: over under how many forrest gump re- references are we getting tonight Bennett? If I said that four mm-hmm. under over four
2: I guess we'll have to find out
1: okay okay
2: uh, might not be any I don't know
1: <laughs> well, in that case I feel, like I'm about that. To be took, I feel like I'm about to be took out by the outhouse and and this ain't gonna be good that's how I feel but we'll see nah.
0: never know all right well let's see who will get to choose the order of arguments. Gentlemen, do you have your pen and paper ready?
1: Do it. All
0: right, here we go. The Simpsons has been around for 32 seasons. It's been on the air since 1989. Family Guy has been around off and on since 1999 uh, for 19 seasons. What I want from you guys is the closest without going over, the total – Combined number of episodes of The Simpsons and Family Guy. Closest without going over. If you both go over, then just the closest. Okay. Got your answers. Yep.
1: 879. What? 879. 964.
0: The correct answer is The Simpsons have had 639 episodes. Family Guy has had 309 episodes a grand total of 948. Bennett mm. has gone over slightly. Ooh. He was closer, but he went over. So, Elrod, would you like to go first or would you like to go second? I want to go first. Then let's do it. Give us it. your opening argument on Simpsons versus Family Guy.
1: Finally, finally as The Rock used to say, I want to start off by saying a couple It
0: doesn't things. matter what your argument is.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. But you couldn't yeah, you couldn't help yourself. But I want to say this. I like both of these shows. For our generation, when you look at teenage or adult themed comedies animated comedies you think of what i like to call the trilogy you have the simpsons you have family guy and you have south park that's the three that's the trilogy from our generation at least you now let's get something else out of the way we have talked about this for a bunch of our shows we talked about this in the George Strait Garth show, about how if you didn't have George Strait, you don't have Garth. If you don't have Elvis, somebody made the argument, you don't have Michael Jackson. And the same thing they could say for the Beatles and the Eagles. I'll, I'll get this out of the way. If you don't have the Simpsons, you don't have Family Guy. But, but this is what I want you to focus on tonight, right? The consensus among the critics and the viewers is this, the first 11 seasons of The Simpsons are some of the best television there ever was, as far as animated shows. There has been a noticeable drop-off in the seasons of The Simpsons since that 11th season. Let's look at Family Guy. What what I want you to focus on tonight, is this. Family Guy has got better with age, like a fine wine. The Simpsons has not. It hasn't sucked, but it has not been at that level that it's been. Family Guy has been a pioneer in recent years with their comedy, with their material. The Simpsons, for the most part, has become bland, and we'll get into this more tonight. Both of these shows are fantastic, but what sets Family Guy apart from the Simpsons, at least in the modern show, is how unpredictable Family Guy can be. Starting off at one point in the episode, and at the very end, you're like, how in the world did they get there? And it's about one word that we'll focus on tonight. It's creativity. It's Seth MacFarlane. We're going to talk a lot about him tonight. Simpsons is one of the best animated shows of all time. But I will convince you tonight: right? Family Guy is the superior show. And That's a fact.
0: All right. In it, tell us the Simpsons opening argument.
1: Well, as I
2: usually do, we're gonna go back in time just a little bit, and like I said at the beginning of the show, I consider myself quite the uh, animated TV buff, I guess, cartoon watcher. No shame. I still love watching cartoons, but let's go back in time a little bit. When I was little, my absolute favorite shows on Nickelodeon were Ren and Stimpy in Rocko's Modern Life. Ren and Stimpy was, I think, around 91, and then they finished in 96. Rocco's Modern Life started in 92, and then they lasted until 96. So both of these shows both go off the air in 96. But what saved me was there was a couple of new shows that came out that fall in the year in 1997, and they would go on to become my favorite shows. One of them's a big one, South Park, 1997, and also my all-time favorite, King of the Hill. But I want you, Ruck, to consider this. If you take Ren and Stimpy, you take Rocco's Modern Life, you take South Park, and you take King of the Hill, and you add all of their episodes up together. And keep in mind that South Park is still going strong. Here we are in 2020. They've been going since 97. If you add all four of those up, you're still going to be roughly 14 episodes shy of The Simpsons' total number of episodes, and counting. They've been renewed for, like Rutt said, the 32nd season now. And um, like Elrod said before, I would venture to say that you know, without The Simpsons, we don't have Ren and Stimpy, Rockle's Modern Life. Maybe we don't have South Park. I don't know. Maybe we don't have King of the Hill. Maybe we don't have Family Guy. We don't know, but I'm not here tonight to like like y'all right. I'm not here to bash family guy. I like family guy. I think family guy's funny, but they fall short to the Simpsons in this argument. And there's a few reasons why the Simpsons have proved to be not only the greatest animated TV show. They're certainly also one of the best TV shows, period. You got to look at some of the things that The Simpsons have done right over the years. They've got more memorable characters, more recognizable catchphrases, by far way more guest stars. They've got more iconic episodes, better opening credits. You got to keep in mind that the little chalkboard, the couch, and Lisa's saxophone solo, all three are different every single episode, which is pretty diggum impressive when you think about it. We're going on nearly 700 episodes of different uh, gags at the beginning of the show. And I would say that they have a more versatile product, ranging from kid-friendly to adult humor. The Simpsons are iconic. They're influential. And they're like part of our family, if you think about it. So tonight, Rut, I'm going to convince you that the Simpsons aren't just superior over family guy. They're one of the greatest shows in the history of television, period.
0: All right, guys. There's a lot of anticipation coming into this. We've been waiting on this show for two weeks. I have a feeling, based on the opening arguments, this episode is going to live up to the hype. And if you're watching us on Facebook right now, on the preview, you're going to have to tune in tomorrow to the podcast or to YouTube, to see how this thing shakes out. We are gonna cut off the Facebook uh, video now. Um, Be sure to come back and check out the podcast or the YouTube video to know what you can vote on, on Twitter, because that poll will be up and we will go over those topics at the end of this full episode. So if you're watching the Facebook preview, be sure to check us out. Tomorrow, wherever you get your podcasts or over on YouTube if you are watching us on YouTube or listening to the podcast right now we will be right back and we are back and we're ready to get in to the meat of this argument and I am looking forward to it um, I think the best place to start would be to start at the beginning uh, tell me a little bit about the creation and the beginnings of these shows. And Bennett, take us back to 1989. How were you even born in 1989?
1: I was not. I oh, was a wow. figment of someone's imagination. If you
0: died today, the Simpsons will have a longer life than you.
1: They would. But as I will show you later on, I just get better with age. Not, unlike the Simpsons. I just get better.
0: Well, I'll chalk that up as a lie, Maury. All right. Um, (laughs)
2: Bennett,
0: tell me about the creation and the beginnings of The Simpsons.
2: Sure. Well, before we do that, we need to get into before their current streak as the longest-running American sitcom in history, Simpsons got their start as a series of, like, shorts on this television show called The Tracy Ullman Show. I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard of that. Rudd has. Elrod has not. Okay. It's okay, Elrod. I didn't either. (laughs) But I've only heard of
0: it because of The Simpsons, if we're being honest. but
2: Fun fact about this show, this was produced by none other than Mr. James L. Brooks himself, which you may know as one of the developers of The Simpsons. So, Mr. James L. Brooks approaches Matt Groening, who we know is the creator of The Simpsons, And so he approaches him and asks him, he's like, hey, can you come up with some sort of like concept for some animated shorts or some animated short stories to be used kind of as bumpers in between segments of this show for his uh, Tracy Ullman show that is. And uh, the reason why Brooks approached Groening is because he was pretty familiar with his work. Um, Grating had a a series of comic strips that were called Life and Hell. So that's where James Brooks had uh, seen his work before. So astonishingly enough, Groening came up with the concept for The Simpsons while waiting in the lobby of Brooks's office. And he drew inspiration for this animated family from his very own family. As you'll see, a lot of the characters are named after actual members of his own family. The show was set in the fictional town of Springfield in Middle America. That's all we know, Springfield, Middle America. And Groening noted that Springfield was a very, very common name. It's in at least 29 states have, the, have a Springfield in them. But you think about it, it's genius because people that are watching the show, you hear Springfield and you think, oh, well, that, that's our Springfield that he's, that he's referencing. I mean, look at Tennessee. We have a Springfield. And a lot of people can make the argument that Springfield would come from Tennessee being middle America. And for the Simpsons, have they have, um, they have had episodes that have mentioned Knoxville and also Oak Ridge. Just kind of a little fun fact. But when you get down to the show, the show depicts kind of this satire view of like the working class lifestyle both socially and culturally in the United States. Like I said, it first appeared on the Tracy Ullman show, but it appeared on April 19th, 1987. And if you go back and watch the Simpsons back then look a little bit different than the Simpsons that we know now, they look a little bit rougher around the edges. And I'll tell you why this is whenever Greening submitted his work to them. He had just given them like sketches. They gave his sketches to the animators assuming that they would take these sketches and kind of clean them up and sharpen them up before they actually went into production. That's wrong. They didn't, they didn't do it. All they did, the animators took, instead they took his sketches and just retraced it and rolled with that. And I have no idea why they did this. I don't know if that was just lazy or if they thought this is what they should do. But me coming from an art background myself, I know that, a sketch, especially a sketch that's submitted to you, should literally just serve as an idea that's been put down to paper to get somebody's idea across, and you take that sketch and you re- you perfect it later on. So for sure somebody dropped the ball on this, but eventually they did get cleaned up a little bit, and they become the Simpsons that we know now. Have either one of y'all ever wondered why the Simpsons were yellow? Yes. Well, the idea was from a colorist named George Palouse. And as soon as Grayning saw this, he was like all in on it. Grayning said that he wanted them to be like eye catching. And he said that the bright yellow color catches your eyes. You're like flipping through the channels and it kind of makes you stop and go back. And you definitely remember these like yellow characters. And that's kind of where the iconic yellow Simpsons came from is from this colorist. I don't know why he chose yellow, but. Graning loved it. So after three seasons of being on the Tracy Ullman show, the show was adopted into a, uh, a half-hour series. And it was premiered on Fox on December 17th, 1989, in an episode called Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. Now, I want to talk about this episode real, real, real quick. Try to get through it real quick here. But it's a very important episode to get through. The very first episode, it's a Christmas episode. And it starts, you know, they've got this big, huge jar of money that they had saved up to do Christmas shopping with. And Marge actually kept it in her hair. She pulled that jar out of her hair for the money. And they go to the mall, and they're going to do some Christmas shopping. Well, Bart's there with a couple of his friends, and he sees a guy getting a tattoo. And they're like, oh, this is so cool. guy's getting a tattoo. And he's basically dared by his peers to go get a tattoo. So he's going to get a tattoo that says Mother on it, he thought this would be the perfect gift to give my mom for Christmas. She's going to love it. The tattoo artist, you know, is like, he's like, I want to get a tattoo. And he's like, wait a minute, how old are you? And Barb goes 18, sir. He's like, okay, get in the chair. So he starts doing the tattoo and he gets all the way to moth with a heart around it and Marge sees it and yanks him out of the chair. And there's a, uh, like a laser removal place inside the small too, which is funny. And so they go there to get this tattoo removed and they're able to get the tattoo removed, but it spends all of the money in the Christmas jar. And Marge is like, well, spent all the money, but thank goodness for Homer's uh, Christmas bonus. Well, Mr. Burns, his boss decides not to give them a Christmas bonus this year. Kind of sounds like Christmas vacation, no Christmas bonus. So, but Homer is like, I cannot let them know I didn't get a Christmas bonus. You know, what am I going to do? There's not going to be a Christmas this year. So he comes up with an idea. He's going to moonlight on the side and uh, become a uh, mall Santa. So he goes to these classes, becomes a Santa, and he's going to earn money for the Christmas by being a Santa. Well, Bart finds out what he's doing because Bart goes and sits in his lap and pulls his beard down and notices that his he's dad. So Homer takes him – Kind of back, backs like, look, you can't let anybody know this, but you know, I'm doing this to save Christmas, you know, because we have no money for Christmas this year. But so Homer gets paid, so he's expecting you know a big, a big old fat check to save Christmas. And after all the fees and they took out tuition for the mall Santa course and his costume, blah 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 blah, he's left with thirteen dollars. Homer's like, what am I going to do? with $13 for a family for Christmas. And uh, Homer's uh, friend, Barney, is like, hey, I got this hot tip down here at the dog track. Uh, there's this dog 10 to 1 odds to win. And Homer's like, I'm not taking my son on Christmas Eve to a dog track, blah, 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 blah. And pretty much they persuade him. To, it's like, you have nothing else to lose. You know, let's go here and let's bet on this dog and then we'll have money. So So here they go. They're at the dog track. And while they're there, um, instead of betting on the dog that's 10-to-1 odds, there's a a late entry. It's a long shot, 99-to-1 odds on Santa's Little Helper. And Bart and Homer are both like, Santa's Little Helper, it's a sign. We have to go for him. So Homer puts all $13 down on Santa's Little Helper. And Santa's Little Helper did absolutely horrible. Like the dog that was, that they were supposed to bet on 10 to one, one. So Barney won big. And of course, you know, they, they show all the dogs finish and Bart's like, come on, dad, let's go home. And Homer's like, I'm not finished until this dog finishes the race. So they sit there and they sit there and he's like, okay, let's just go. So they're out in the parking lot. They're looking through tickets, trying to find a winning ticket, to have some sort of money. They have no money. And they hear this commotion going on. They're like what's going on? You hear, the owner of the Santa's little helper yelling, you know, get out of here. You're no good. You're no use to me. So the dog runs off scared and Bart's like, dad, we need to get this dog and take this dog home and save this dog. Cause his owner apparently just abandoned him because he was a loser dog. So with a little bit of convincing Homer's like, okay, we'll bring Santa's little helper home. So they come into the house and you know, they'd been out late uh marge's sisters are over they're making fun of homer you know where's homer at you know christmas is ruined and Homer's going to come in and homer's like i've got to tell marge that i didn't get my bonus and that christmas is ruined but as soon as they walk in with santa's little helper everybody like goes crazy and they're like oh this is the best gift ever and homer's like yeah yeah for sure so they got santa's little helper for christmas and that was the episode Now, this episode received a 14.5 on the Nielsen rating, which at the time was the second highest rated show on Fox up to that point. And the Simpsons pretty much saved Fox's butt when it came down to with their success. The episode was nominated for two Emmys, but it would lose, but it lost to another Simpsons episode in the same category. In uh, 2009, IGN named it number four on the top 10 holiday specials. And Al Jean, who's the current showrunner, selected this as one of his top five essential episodes in the show's history. And it's definitely one that many consider to be an all-time favorite. And it's personally one of my all-time favorites as well.
0: Nice. All right, take us back, maybe not so far, but still a couple decades. And tell us about the beginnings and the creation
1: of... Family. Before I do that, there is something I'm dying to ask. You said that the Simpsons are on how many seasons now? Been at 30?
2: I think they've been renewed for a 30-second. 30 30, so,
1: 32 Even. seasons. So, 31 completed seasons. How long would it take somebody, just some average Joe on the street that's never watched a single episode of the Simpsons, how long would it take if they did not sleep at all to watch every season cover to cover? That's something I mm-hmm. want to know. So we will look that up tonight. That's something I've always wanted to There's no.
0: 639 episodes. There's 30-minute episodes. So you would think 320 hours?
1: Roughly, yeah. Roughly. That would be a very long time. Very long time.
0: It'd be a little less than that if you're not watching commercials, I guess.
1: I but didn't quite
2: get through every episode either. While we were anticipating this, but I tried my best. we'd have
0: gone
2: another week, he'd have got it. Yeah, all I needed was a couple more
1: days. So let's go back in time to more recent times. Let's go back to 1995. Let's think about all the great things in 1995. You've got Michael Jordan coming back from baseball. You've got Seth MacFarlane at the Rhode Island School of Design. Seth MacFarlane – in his college days came up with a show called The Life of Larry. Life of Larry is essentially the same show as Family Guy is now. Uh, it was uh, really his thesis that he had there at the college. Um, Larry, Life of Larry became Larry and Steve um, upon his graduation. And it, and it featured a man named Larry and also a dog named Steve. So he's about to graduate college. Some executives at Fox come to him and they wanted, they knew that Seth was somewhat talented and they wanted a new show. He said, I've got this show. It's called uh, Larry and Steve. And Fox proposed buying the show for $50,000. That was a lot of money for someone coming out of college uh, like his position. So The name has changed, but several aspects of uh, that show became the modern name Family Guy. Now, here's one thing that has really hurt Family Guy in those uh, first couple years. You had some some unfortunate uh, timing, if you will. In 1995, the show was set to be put on Fox, but as Bennett mentioned earlier, another show came out right around this time called king of the hill they didn't want to put two shows that are kind of similar on the air at the same time so they kind of tabled family guy for later so family guy was originally planned to come out on the show mad tv uh, the only problem was the animation cost the cost associated with mad tv could not support uh, uh, family guy so Seth McFarland does some lobbying. Finally, finally, it's given the slot for the Super Bowl, the show that premiered after Super Bowl uh, 33 uh, in 1999. Showed, uh, the episode was called Death Has a Shadow. had 22 million viewers, which was a huge audience for an, an opening show uh, like itself. But the problem, one of the problems that it ran into was You get a very diverse crowd for the show after the Super Bowl. It's a very, very highly coveted spot. And Family Guy came out with a bang on some of the themes and some of the motifs. And this shocked a lot of people, especially kids. So a a lot of conservative – we'll talk about a conservative um, group tonight that has had a crusade against Family Guy since day one. But it came out with a bang. It had huge, huge ratings on on Nelson, Um, but the next episode wasn't going to come along until April. It it was mainly kind of an appetizer, if you will, to see how the public would gauge the show. Uh, Here's where the timing really hurt the show. They put Family Guy, uh, executives at Fox, against Frazier on NBC. That really hurt the ratings out of the gate. And then when that really didn't work, they put Family Guy against another show, an ABC show, may have heard of it. Who wants to be a millionaire in 1999, 2000 at at its height. So it's ratings, it it went way, way down because of the competition it was going against. In 2001, uh, the show was doing sort of good. You have September 11th happen. Seth MacFarlane, a little, the two guys know this fact, but Seth McFarlane was supposed to be on flight 11 that crashed into the second plane that crashed into the world trade center. He was in the airport because he had just missed the flight. Uh, so he has talked about how he has some real survivor's guilt over that, uh, over that fact. Family guy, I'll go up until the third season. So third season, the family guy, the rains are good. The show is good, but it's just not getting much traction. Family Guy's canceled after the third season. Fox is trying to find a buyer for Family Guy. Nobody wants to buy it. Cartoon Network basically got it for free for Fox because nobody wanted to buy it. They put it on Adult Swim, and it was this is where Family Guy took off on the adult platform. Family Guy in 2003 became the... Uh, Became the best-selling DVD set of all time for that time, and this is where it gets its, its audience. Um, Chappelle shows right around this time, so you got Chappelle Show and you got Family Guy in terms of uh, two shows that's killing it on DVD. So Family Guy goes on a three-year hiatus. It comes back in 2005 with an episode called North by uh, North Cohog. Uh, and we'll talk more about this episode later on, but the fact that really DVD sales and Cartoon Network is what saved Family Guy in those early years and those early misfortune of being put against Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and Frasier during its height. You have, and also um, uh, there's some other shows that that it just had the unfortunate fact of going up against. But DVD sales, uh, DVDs were becoming big at the turn of the century. But in 2003, that's how uh, you didn't have Netflix. You didn't have On Demand. If You wanted to watch a series. You had to go to a big box store and get a DVD set. And it became almost a cult following that saved the show and got the show put back on Fox after Fox realized they made, made a mistake and canceling on this show.
2: You guys remember, you would be like... Hey, you want to check out my DVD selection? (laughs) I have Uh, the first four seasons of South Park.
0: (laughs) I actually have a couple seasons of The Simpsons and Family Guy on DVD. And you know where all my DVDs are right now? In a box in the closet (laughs) because they're basically (laughs) useless. Um, Because times have changed, but, you know makes you think if you could have been patient for 10 or 20 years, then you wouldn't have had to spend the money on those and you have the access you have now. Um, But hindsight's twenty twenty. All right, all right, I'm gonna go with you here on the next topic and our next topic is going to be characters. I wanna hear about some of the main characters, some of the supporting characters No need to go into every character there's ever been. If that was the case, then it would go on for four hours. When it gets to him, (laughs) Family Guy could go on for a couple. But tell me about um, the main characters and some of the more uh, memorable, possibly supporting characters. Yeah.
1: So when you talk about the characters on Family Guy, I want to quickly go back to the inception of Family Guy. uh, Seth McFarlane one time was asked, what is the difference between what you created in college and what later became Family Guy? And and Life of Larry was the last, uh, it was the last production that he put on before it became Family Guy. he said, the difference is that Life of Larry um, was shown in his dorm room. And he said, Family Guy was shown after the Super Bowl. So, his characters have never changed uh from the start. The, the, the names have changed, but the actual characters from that original show and what became Family Guy, uh very, very similar. And Bennett had talked about how the Simpsons is like a satirical look of the uh, of the average middle-class family. You could say the same thing for for Family Guy. Family Guy is very, very similar in its motifs and its take on middle-class. America. It has (laughs) some more edgier tones that we'll talk about tonight, but it's a very similar show uh, at the heart of it. But let's talk about the main characters. Uh, The Griffin family, Quahog, Rhode Island. Uh, He chose Rhode Island. It's a fictional town. That's where uh, Seth McFarlane went to school. So that's the reason you have Quahog, Rhode Island. It's a fictional town. Uh, The main uh, character is Peter Griffin. He's. Very, very comparable to Homer Simpson. He's a bumbling, clumsy, but he, he's well-intentioned. Uh, he may not seem like it. His jokes. He, he's just a funny fat guy is how I would describe Peter Griffin. I can His appreciate wife, it. wife, Lois, uh, she's a pretty stay-at-home mother. She's a piano teacher, and she comes from a wealthy family uh the 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 daughter meg she's often bullied on the show she's always ridiculed by the other characters on the show she's just basically the redheaded stepchild as i would uh, describe her uh the son chris uh just been he's an awkward teenage son he's overweight he's a lot like his dad very unintelligent um he's just a younger version of peter griffin if you want to get down to it my favorite character on the show, and the and, and the one character that has probably the if you if you say if you go down here on the street and you just say Family Guy, people are going to point to Peter Griffin or Stewie. Stewie is a diabolical like uh, infant son. He talks like an adult, but he's a baby, and <laughs> he's in every episode. He's uh, characterized himself as an evil genius. He uses arch-villain catchphrases in every episode. Uh, He's always trying to come up with clever ways to kill his mother in every episode. Uh, He's basically, I don't wanna say he's a diabolical uh, Bart, but he's basically Bart if he talked as as a adult and also wants to kill his mother. Now, I love Brian, the dog. Brian, he's considered a pet, but he's a talking dog. Uh, he's got very similar qualities to Stewie. Uh, he's, uh, he's somebody that likes to read a lot. Uh, so that's the Griffin family core. Now, if you, I'm not going to talk very much about the supporting characters, but I'll just give you a few. Cle- the Clevelands. The Cleveland actually was a spin-off show from Family Guy. Uh, he, was, he was an african-american deli owner uh one of my favorite characters on the show quagmire quagmire is very inappropriate he's one of peter's friends he's always trying to <laughs> he's always trying to get with the ladies <laughs> um you talk about other people uh, on the show uh, uh former cop joe that's in a wheelchair um Let's talk about one recurring character. This, this show has made, James Woods was famous before this, but this show has a very unique ability in taking people that, yeah, when you think of James Woods, you don't think of him as a big time actor. But this show takes mediocre actors and raises them to a bar where it's like, yeah, yeah, James Woods. James Woods plays himself on the show And he's become really the bun of a lot of jokes uh, on the show. He makes fun of himself. And that's what a lot of people in the show do, is they go on the show to make fun of themselves. Very pop culture references, things like that. Uh, Other people in the show, uh, the news anchor Tom Tucker and Diane Simmons, uh, the uh, Ollie Williams, the, the weatherman. Um, it's going to rain. It' going to rain. You, Some of the best memes of all time has come from Family Guy, if you want to get down to it. So uh, another uh, person that we'll talk about later on is Adam West. Adam West, uh, bat- a Batman theme, uh, uh, the mayor uh, of Quahog. Uh, just, just the most random people that you can think of are – either appeared or had some sort of role on this show since 1999. So we'll talk more about the uh, episodes and uh, characters later on, but that's a general overview of the main characters and uh, lesser known characters, if you will. Now Bennett's spiel could go on for four hours because the show has been a lot <laughs> on a lot longer and there's a much more characters on The Stimpsons. So I will turn it over to him.
0: Before I go to yeah. Bennett, Elrod, I want to make yeah. a call back to two weeks ago when we attempted to record this. Yes. Give me your quagmire impression.
1: My quagmire impression? Yeah. <laughs> I, can't can't I, can't, I can't do it. I can't do, do it. I can't do it. I was on. I was on two weeks ago. I'm not on that. Do it. Can't do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. I, I'll do it. I'll do it after Bennett gets done. How about that? I'll, I will get – sometime tonight I, you will have a quagmire impression. I don't want to do it right now. But I, it will come out. It will come out. I guarantee it. We
0: can make this go all night and make you miss the Titans game. Full disposal we <laughs> record on Monday night. It will happen. Um, Bennett, tell me <laughs> about – Oh, that. <laughs> Tell me about uh, the main characters and a small portion of the more memorable uh, sporting characters on The Simpsons.
2: This is this is going to hurt, tear me up inside. I only do just a few of the characters. Just let you know that beforehand. This was hard to do, but I'll try to make it as short as possible. So the main focus revolves around the five members that make up the family the Simpsons that live at 742 Evergreen Terrace in the town that we covered of Springfield. Springfield, mm-hmm. Middle America. <laughs> what was this? Is this the... How does he say? Springfield, Springfield. Springfield, Springfield. New York, New York. New, New York's, York's, York's that
1: way, man. <laughs> Thanks. Anywho... You missed it. I did the impression you didn't see it.
2: Ah. All right. Back on, back on track here. The first character I want to talk about is Mr. Homer J. Simpson, oh. which is named after Matt Groening's very own father. His father's name was Homer. Now, Homer embodies many of the American working class stereotypes. Let's look at Homer. He's obese. He's immature, he's egotistical, he's lazy, he loves his beer, he's not very intelligent, and he's prone to rage-filled outbursts. But Homer, he means well. He tries his best to spot all his shortcomings. Homer is the provider of the family. He works as a safety inspector at the nuclear power plant, which is hilarious in and of itself. And if you've ever watched The Simpsons, you know in almost every single episode, there's some sort of irony or there's some sort of little Easter eggs for you to catch on to, kind of like Elrod's clock, but it's fixed now. So that's no longer an Easter egg for <laughs> any of you people that have been paying attention over the episodes. But Homer, we know we talked about him being a uh, safety inspector, but Homer has held over 188 jobs, and he has saved the town of Springfield single-handedly several several times homer is one of tv's greatest characters of all time he really is and if you don't believe me we can look at some of the facts here entertainment weekly named homer simpson the greatest character in the last 20 years back in 2010 and tv guides 50 greatest cartoon characters of all time they ranked him fifth but of course um oh yeah also too uh And Bravo's 100 Greatest TV Characters of All Time ranked him fifth. TV Guide ranked him number two on Behind Bugs Bunny. That's my bad. I got him mixed up there. But Homer would not be nowhere near where he is today without Marjorie Jacqueline Simpson, which is named after Matt Groening's own mother. Her name was Marjorie. Now, Marge is the matriarch of the family. She's a homemaker. She's a stay-at-home mom. She often serves as the voice of reason, and she keeps the family kind of grounded. Marge is distinguished by her trademark, extremely, extremely very blue beehive hairstyle, and in the words of Groening himself, quote, is a mixture of Bride of Frankenstein and the way that his own mother wore her hair back in the 60s, unquote. Although I'm sure his mom's hair wasn't blue, but you never know. She's like your stereotypical mom. She puts up with the antics of the family, especially from the males, Bart and Homer. She's known for her morals and for her nurturing, almost to a fault, really. She's a great mom, and it shows Entertainment Weekly ranked March 1st in its 1994 list of top TV moms and was also first on Fox's List in 2005, and she was included in Times' list of top 10 best moms ever. Not bad, Marge. Not bad. Now, together, Homer and Marge have three children the oldest one being Bartholomew JoJo Simpson. And Bart is actually an anagram for Brat, if you think about it. Hmm. And he is the only character that's not named from a member of own family. So I would almost think like, is Bart like his alternate ego or what? I don't know, but well, that was interesting. He's the oldest child of the bunch. He's 10 years old. He can best be described as mischievous, rebellious, and disrespectful to authority, most notably to his principal, Mr. Skinner. One could argue that Bart is the most prominent character of the entire show. He certainly was during their, uh, their run there in the early 90s. He has several catchphrases that were really, really popular at that time, too, like, eat my shorts, don't have a cow man, I caramba, and I didn't do it, just to name a few of them. His hobbies include skateboarding, watching TV, comic books, and causing mischief. Bart's role in The Simpsons has been so huge that it inspired a whole line of merchandising. He's been described as television's king of the 90s. Entertainment Weekly named Bart Entertainer of the Year in 1990, and Time named him one of the 100 most important people of the 20th century. Wow. Next, you have Lisa Marie Simpson, named after Matt Groening's very own younger sister. She's the middle child at eight years old, she's a second grader. At Springfield Elementary, she's described as intelligent, passionate. Her high level of intellect and her very liberal political stance kind of separates from, separates her from her peers. She's kind of a loner, if you will. She's a vegetarian. she's a strong environmentalist. she's a feminist and a Buddhist. She can be seen as intolerant of opinions that differ from her own. She enjoys reading and playing the saxophone. TV Guide ranked her 11th on their list of top 50 greatest cartoon characters. And the organization PETA included her on their list of most animal-friendly TV characters. And that brings us to the last member of the Simpsons, Margaret Simpson. She's, like I said, she's the youngest of the Simpsons clan. And you guessed it, she's named after Matt Groening's very own youngest sister. Being that she's just a small baby, she hasn't really mastered talking yet. Although she did say the words dada, that was a huge episode. That episode was called Lisa's First Word. Lisa's First Word, not Maggie's First Word, but Maggie does get her first word in there. And her voice for that like iconic line was by none other than the legendary Elizabeth Taylor. She voiced Maggie for the dada. Maggie is probably known best for her uh, red pacifier. And um, if you remember in a lot of the earlier episodes, she was known to just like trip and like face plant on her face a lot. And that was kind of like her thing. But the show kind of veered away from that as the seasons went on. Um, She actually may be the most fascinating of all the characters just because we don't know a whole lot about her. And, but if you consider some of the things that she's done throughout the show's history, um, you look at some of the clues that uh, Matt Grant and some of the writers have put in, they kind of like – they kind of hint and kind of throw out there that she borderlines on genius level. Um, I was watching this episode the other day. She's like playing with her blocks, and she spells out E equals MC squared or their toy blocks, before they get knocked over. Um, she's driven Homer's car. She orchestrated an escape from daycare for her and her little friends, kind of like a prison break. And she's also played internet poker. <laughs> she saved Homer's life on several occasions, and she infamously shot Homer's boss, Mr. Burns. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention a few other of the important characters on the show. A few of them that I find noteworthy are Snowball and Santa's Little Helper, the cat and the dog of the Simpsons family, Abe Simpson, the grandpa, Barney Gumbel, Homer's uh, best friend, kind of his drinking buddy, if you will. Right. Ned Flanders. <laughs> yeah. You got Ned Flanders, their uh, goody two-shoes uh, neighbor. Howdy ho neighborino. <laughs> you got Krusty the Clown. He's kind of like the – uh the what well, would just like the the celebrity of Springfield, if you will. You've got sideshow Bob who tries to kill the Simpsons, especially wants to kill Bart. You've got Millhouse, which is Bart's best friend, Mr. Burns, the evil old man that's Homer's boss, Chief Wiggum and his son Ralph. Eh. You got comic book guy, Patty and Selma, which is um which is Marge's. uh Twin sisters. You got Principal Skinner, who's kind of like the nemesis of Bart. You've got Nelson Muntz, who's the bully. You've got Mo Sizlak, who's the bar owner. And you have Itchy and Scratchy, the cartoon characters inside a cartoon show, which is
1: pretty crazy. See, I told you there's more characters in The Simpsons, right?
0: Bennett do you remember let me just put this out there as a uh, disclaimer making fun of people is never okay that said we all do things in our youth that we're not proud of Bennett do you know exactly what I thought of when you did that eh wow (laughs) cheap -um? (laughs) wiggum yeah Uh we went to school with somebody who looked like Chief Wiggum. Um, and therefore, every time, the fact that it was a female probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, we're- guys. And
0: every time we saw her, it was like, yeah, wow.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be oh, fair, Wiggum. He had no idea, so we weren't making fun of her to her face. But (sighs) kids, making fun of people is not okay. But it's a little better if you don't do it to their face and you can laugh about it 20 years later. Um, Anyway, moving along. um, Speaking of memorable times, uh, we're going to move in. Bennett, I want you to tell me about, again, a few, because in 32 seasons, there's – Tons and tons, but tell me about some of the more memorable moments and/ or episodes uh, of The Simpsons.
2: Yeah, this was actually really difficult to me, like you said, over thirty years, how am I supposed to pick just a handful? so I had to really, really do a whole lot of weeding out and crossing this one out now let's bump this one back in blah 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 blah, but I narrowed it down to what I think is six of the more memorable moments to me, because this is my argument, so they're going to be the ones that are memorable to me. Number one is Homer accidentally attempts to jump the Springfield Gorge. Now, what happens here is, funny enough, um, the Simpsons go to a monster truck show. I myself just took my family to a monster truck show, so I hope this doesn't – (laughs) <laughs> happened for me too, but while they're at this uh, monster truck show, um, Bart sees this uh, stunt um, by this uh, this guy, kind of like an evil can evil type character. It's a made up character, and Bart's inspired by this. So Bart starts doing a whole bunch of like stunts around the neighborhood, like jumping cars or doing these little jumps, this and that. Well, Bart gets a little bit braver and decides that he's going to jump to Springfield Gorge. He thinks he can do it. Well, Homer gets wind of this, and he tries to go out there to save him, and um, because they've been worried sick about him doing all these little stunts or whatever. So Homer gets out there with a skateboard, and he's like, I'm going to do it to show you what it feels like to have somebody, you know, risk their life for the entertainment of others. And Bart's like, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. I, I totally, I see the light. I see where you're coming from now. I won't do it anymore. And so they go to hug it out because they kind of reached an agreement that Bart wasn't going to do any more stunts. And uh, when he does that, Homer, his uh, skateboard goes out from under him and he goes down the ramp and goes over the gorge. And at first he's like horrified. But then as he gets about halfway, he thinks he's got it. You know, he thinks, all right, this is cool. I'm actually going to make this. Well, he loses momentum and he falls down the gorge hits a bunch of like rocks and stuff all the way down. They have to like get a helicopter to get him out of there. And as the helicopter gets to the very top, there's a problem and the helicopter drops him and he drops down the gorge again a second time, all the way down going. Ow, 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 ow. And then it shows at the very end, you've got, you got Homer in the hospital and like a full body cast and he's right next to the, uh, the stunt guy, that's kind of like the evil, Knievel character, and they're both in like these full-body casts. But it's like a huge episode. It's like a fan favorite about Homer attempting to jump to Springfield Gorge. The second one is a really – not so much the whole episode, but just this one part is when the Simpsons go to Australia. They're, they're in this bar, and uh, it's Homer and Marge in there, and Homer is like the, – the guy behind the counter is like, you know, what will you have? He's like, I want to try one of those big beers that you're known for. So the guy from, from like behind the bar pulls out like this, like it's almost the size of a keg and like slams it down there. And Homer just kind of looks at it. And the guy's like, well, what go ahead. And he's like, I was not expecting it to be that big. And so then he looks at Marge and is like, what about you? She's like, I'll just have a coffee. He goes, yeah. She goes coffee. He goes B, he goes, C, O, he goes, B, E, and that's it. But it's so, I don't know why, but it's so funny. that's kind of like a little joke that me and Rudd have had over the years. So I know he'd appreciate that one. The third one is an episode called Bart After Dark. And kind of a rundown of what happens is Bart is, you know, being his little mischievous self and he breaks this like stone gargoyle statue that's at this house. And for his punishment, he's supposed to work around this house until he's earned enough money to pay for this gargoyle that he broke. Well, it turns out that this house is actually like a burlesque house, if you will. And several prominent members of Springfield like frequent this burlesque theater kind of on the down low. So you've got Bart kind of like as a door greeter sitting there at the front. So he's sitting there, you know, in the burlesque, there things going on behind him here. Well, Grandpa Simpson walks in. He, like, walks in, and he's whistling, and he has his a coat and jacket on. He walks up to the front. He makes a loop around to, like, where the coat rack is, puts his hat on hat and coat on the coat rack, makes the loop back around to where um, the door greeter is, and it's Bart. And without missing a beat, he keeps on whistling, makes another loop around, gets his hat and coat, and exits the door without missing a beat. It's hilarious. It's, it's one of my favorite parts. It was – Pretty smooth on uh, old Abe Simpson there on his part. Number four is Homer encounters an alien. And this was actually like a huge episode because think about what was another one of the huge TV shows in the 90s on Fox. Not animated. Huge show. X-Files. Huge, huge show for Fox. Well, Mulder and Scully show up whenever Homer kind of like encounters this alien so they show up to investigate and it's actually them that voice their own characters, which was like a big deal. And, uh, the part that's funny though, is they're trying to figure out if, if Homer's telling the truth or if he's just full of crap about meeting this alien. So they hook him up to this lie detector test. And the first thing they ask him is Homer, we're going to ask you a series of questions. Do you understand? And he said, yes. And the thing goes crazy, and it blows up the lie detector test.
1: <laughs>
2: Number five is Marge, Be Not Proud, my second favorite episode. You'll know it when you when I start talking about it. Millhouse gets this super violent video game. I would compare it to like a, a Mortal Kombat, something really gory like that. And, you know, Millhouse is thrilled to have this video game, Bart's jealous that Milhouse has, has it and uh, Millhouse is going to, like, enter in his name into the video game. He's like, I'm going to be Thrill House. Well, there wasn't enough words for Thrill House, so he got Thrill Ho as his name on there. So, um, at the end, as the episode goes on, at the very end of it, um, Marge is going to give Bart an early Christmas gift. And Bart thinks he's getting the game because Marge is like, well, you dropped some pretty big hints on a video game that you wanted, and I think I got the one that you that everybody's been talking about. I asked the guy at the, at the store, and he said, this is the game that all the kids want. And Bart's like, oh, you got me. What well, The name of it was Bone Storm. He's like, oh, you got me Bone Storm. When he opens it up, it turns out to be Lee Carvello's putting challenge is what he got. And he's disappointed, but he doesn't let Marge know that. He's like, oh, thanks, Mom. And that's where the episode ends. And as it's showing the uh, closing credits, you've got the leak fellow character out there. They're on the green. And he's like, you are on the green. I would suggest a putter. You have selected three wood. Might I suggest putter? Three wood it is. It goes, and then this character goes... I suggest light tap. You have selected power drive. <laughs> it shows the guy like nail the ball and it goes over the green, off of the golf course, lands in the parking lot. And this uh, Lee Cavello character goes, ball is in parking lot. Would you like to play again? You have selected No. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great it's, it's funny it's much better when you watch I, I do a terrible job of making this thing sound funny and um the number six uh part is called the springfield files and real quick homer 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 stumbles up to this billboard after a night of drinking and the billboard says die and he screams Well, the wind blows the tree branch to uncover a missing letter on this billboard. And it doesn't say die. It says die it. And he screams like even louder than the first one. I've always just thought that was just a really funny, funny moment there. Uh, We're going into the episodes too or just the moments?
0: I mean, moments are fun. So, all right. Well, those some of my moments too, uh, as those with video can see. On a lot of those, I was laughing before you got the punchline out because I knew what was coming. Uh, Elrod, Family Guy, known for some of its uh, funny, memorable moments as well, and some of its episodes. Won't you tell me about some of them?
1: Yeah, so I've got my group together, but one of the things that this show does so well. Is it takes obscure sh- movies from you name it from the thirties to the forties, anytime during the twentieth century, and just brings it to the current day and makes it popular. Uh, back in the forties, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope had a s- series of short comedy movies called "The Road to." There's a road to Singapore, the road to Monte Carlo. Just these. Movies that were popular at the time, but no one's watched them in 50 years. So the critics and I both agree that probably the greatest episode uh, in the history of Family Guy was an episode called The Road to the Multiverse. And what this was, the uh, thing about Family Guy is it always starts off with a bang on those first episodes of the seasons. And also, the, the season finale is also a bang, too. Well, season eight, episode one, um, Stewie gets this remote control that allows him to go back in time to different points. You may remember this. One thing that they go back is it can start changing the the past and going to different universes. One thing that Stewie did was he wanted to see how the world would be without Christianity. Uh, this is we'll talk about this later when we get into effects on pop culture. But uh, Mr., um, Mr. Seth is no uh, he takes no prisoners when it comes to religion, so he takes us back to a time when there was no Christianity and there's no dark ages. He also He says, That's cool, let's go back to a time where we're dogs rule over humans. Brian loves this. Brian loves it because he's a dog. He loves it. Brian wants to stay in this universe and Stewie does not like being second fiddle to a dog. So this entire episode is Stewie's trying to get back to the normal universe and Brian wants to stay with his fellow dog uh, overseers. But what I want to show you about this episode is how each episode, or there's one episode in each of these seasons where it takes something like Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, who were very prominent at their time, but today they're kind of an afterthought. It just, it shows how Seth MacFarlane can take old pop culture and make it relevant to the current day. Um, The second episode I want to talk about that kind of has some more undercurrents comes to us from season four episode 14 one of my favorite movies from the 90s uh, film franchises was the naked gun franchise love naked gun seth mcfarlane thought it would be great for the season finale of the fourth season to have like a naked gun uh mentality to this episode uh this was right around the time that Family Guy and the FCC were at odds with one another over their jokes, over their motifs. So what Seth MacFarlane did uh, on this episode was kind of have a, uh, a satire tone. Um, <laughs> the episode centered around how the Emmys, the FCC came down the Emmys, so the FCC is going to is gonna start to basically censor everything. So Peter Griffin does not like this. So he forms his own television network, and it is just—it is bizarre. He he wants to show himself naked. He wants to do all this stuff. Lois, the voice of reason in the episode, says we got to stop this. So she goes to the FCC and begs them to take her husband off off the air. It was kind of—it uh, was kind of one of these things that was kind of. Um, it was family guy t- talking about their struggles with the FCC in a kind of a satirical way with this episode. So uh, that episode was called MPV. But but we th- this next episode, the final episode really ties the two topics we're talking about tonight, family guy and the Simpsons. There's always been this undercurrent between the two shows of, Almost like a rivalry. Family Guy has always been trying to live up to the Simpsons because they set the bar in this industry, in this particular genre. The Simpsons Guy. Season 13, episode one. The Simpsons and Family Guy were on the same network, Fox, but they had never been – there have been times where Family Guy has kind of tied the Simpsons in. There is one episode, uh, and actually it came from that PTV episode, where um, at the very end, uh, Peter Griffin runs over Homer Simpson. This was kind of the first time the Simpsons was included in a Family Guy episode. Homer didn't say anything, but you know who it was. Peter runs Homer over with his car, which was pretty crazy. But the Simpson guy, uh, for the opening of season 13, this was a huge deal back in 2014 somebody steals the griffin family's car and they're in the middle of nowhere so they're trying to get to the nearest town up ahead you see a sign that says springfield and then you hear the music of the simpsons so this you're about this for people that are nerds this was a huge deal where you have the two shows finally in one episode and the thing about this episode is it was um, the episode centers around, I think a dispute between Homer Simpson and Peter Griffin on the origin of Pawtucket beer and Duff beer from both uh, for both. As you, if you've watched the shows, you know that beer is very prominent in both shows. So they go to court in the episode and who decides this dispute rather then the original father of animated comedy fred Flintstone, is the judge on this it ends uh, the episode ends with homer and peter griffin going their separate ways but it was truly the first time that you've had both shows have a crossover and uh, it has an 8.8.4 on imdb um But as you can see in the three episodes I've talked about, Family Guy does this better than I think the sepsis does in terms of bringing pop culture, things that are so random, bringing it to uh, an audience that had never seen this stuff before. I mean, I love Naked Gun, but Naked Gun is a 90s afterthought. But bringing it to modern day, that just goes to show you how Family Guy is so random but so relevant at the same time. So that, are my, when you bring the Road 2 episodes, there's been, been seven of those. Uh, the Simpsons episode, it just shows you that there is a wide variety of material that Seth MacFarlane uses, and uh, they're still going strong today, and you just never know where these episodes are going to go.
0: All right, Elrod, you have kind of alluded to... Uh, a little bit there and I want to get more into the effect of both of these shows. Obviously you first with Family Guy. Tell me about the effects that Family Guy has had on pop culture outside of its own TV show.
1: Yeah. So one thing about Family Guy is this, it's often criticized for its political incorrectness not correctness this is not a this is the most politically incorrect show on on television more so than i would say south park now it doesn't go as far as south park in terms of the language or sometimes even the content but it's lampooning celebrities and events going on at the same time just makes family guy just relevant uh, to the mainstream And it uses a lot of shock humor as well. There is this thing called the Family Guy Effect. And I had never heard of this until recently, but it makes a lot of sense. How Family Guy has took uh, internet memes that are fringe or fringe ideas. They go on the show immediately once they get on the show, they get, they explode on the internet in terms of the distribution, in terms of how many people search for this. And this is called the Family Guy effect. It has its own effect. For the people that are not familiar with Family Guy, if they're not afraid to make fun of anybody, and this, is, this has been uh, a lot of people have been very upset with Seth MacFarlane and the executives at Fox. You know, you think of Fox, Fox owned by the Murdoch family, or used to be owned by the Murdoch family, a very conservative group of people. It's very shocking that they would allow, you know, Seth MacFarlane to go into some of the topics that they do about Christianity, for instance. But it's not just the Christian crowd that is very upset with Seth MacFarlane over the years. You look at uh, the gay community, the, the gay jokes, They have attacked the Jewish community, the disabled community, the trans community, the Muslim community, the AIDS community. There is not one section of our social justice environment or any environment whatsoever that Seth MacFarlane has not been afraid to offend or make mad. an, An episode, a joke, he's not afraid to go there. One thing about it is... Actors and athletes love this show. You look at people that have Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. has had a newfound stratosphere with Iron Man. But before Iron Man, he begged to go on the show because he knew what the show was doing for people that had someone. Yeah, yeah, I know who Robert Downey Jr. is, but those people you go on the show and you like immediately get fame robert downey jr had his kid basically request the family guy creators to allow him to be on the show and they did so you could say without family guy do we get iron man do we get robert downey jr probably not probably not other celebrities that credit family guy as being as an influencer or some show that they watch on a Very regular basis, The Rock. Dwayne Johnson loves this show. Britney Spears. Now, Britney Spears loves Family Guy, but she was afraid to go on Family Guy because South Park has been relentless on her over the years. And she was afraid that if she went on Family Guy, that uh, the creators of South Park were going to be even more up her tail about uh, her personal life. Um, what thing about another thing about Family Guy is its use of self-reflectional uh, uh, humor. We had talked about earlier, Family Guy got canceled uh, after the third season because of its subpar uh, ratings and the fact that it was against, you know, uh, Who Wants to Be a Million and those other shows. But once it came back on in the episode North by North Quahog, um. <laughs> Peter was telling the family essentially they broke the fourth wall. Peter talks to the audience about why they came back. and It's like, well, Fox thought that Titus undeclared action, that 80s show waterfalls fast lane, Andy Richter controls the universe skin girls club cracking up was better than this show. It went down all the failed Fox shows for that year. And it's like, Look what you did, Fox. You canceled us for these crappy shows. So one thing that Family Guy has not been afraid to do was attacking their boss, Fox. They're very relentless on Fox. Catchphrases. Simpsons has a laundry list of catchphrases. And I don't think that I can make a straight-faced argument that Family Guy has better catchphrases because that would be just dumb. But... I promised you earlier he would get it. But let's talk about some catchphrases on Family Guy. Let's talk about freaking sweet Peter's freaking sweet Cleveland's. Oh, that's nasty. Joe's bring it on. And, and, <laughs> and,
0: oh, the no. press.
1: Please give me Cleveland again. <laughs> oh, you got it once. That's all you're getting. That is all you're getting tonight.
0: <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm done.
1: <sighs> Do I win for doing that? I, I should get the win automatically. For- Do it again. No, I- that's twice. It's twice. I gave you twice.
2: That's going to be my ringtone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will give you –
0: so much extra credit if you will redo Cleveland and do your quagmire right now.
1: Which one do you want me to do first? Yeah, I don't care. Giggity, giggity, goo.
0: That's improved because two yeah. weeks ago when we tried to do this show, you sounded like Daryl Waltrip. When you, <laughs> 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 you replaced Boogity with Giggity. It was other than that, it was Daryl Waltrip. But. <laughs> you took that two and a half weeks and you uh-huh. have massive I'm right
1: like improvement
0: now give me Cleveland
1: again no, oh that's nasty <laughs> I can't do it that, that's not as good as the other one
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's nasty peter
1: that's nasty I'll win we might as well just go closing arguments right now because I just won in it I don't Sims. know if i can go <laughs> oh okay
2: the Simpsons
0: effect on pop culture
2: all right well pretty much following the their success from season one and bart's like rapid rise that he had in a popularity in the next couple of seasons uh we all witnessed like a uh animation series, pop culture phenomenon. The Simpsons were everywhere. We're talking about they were on clothes, games, toys, costumes, school supplies, posters. They were pictured on several food items. They were so big in the first 14 months that they generated 2 billion in merch sales. And currently in 2020, there are over 500 companies that are licensed to sell their merchandise. Everyone was watching the Simpsons. They had nearly 28 million viewers each week. And um, everybody was reciting their favorite Simpsons catchphrase. There's a ton of them. I'm not going to go over them all. You know which one your favorite is. The Simpsons were very uh, influential as well. Um, They – kind of opted to not add in that audience laughter, which was a tactic that had been way overused in the past. They decided, you know, we're not going to do that. And The Simpsons kind of proved that to be a trendsetter in this regard, not to add in the fake uh, audience laughter. They influenced many shows as well, including Family Guy. I mean, you just look at all the similarities that Elrod's talked about, and then like that's Simpsons, that Simpsons, that Simpsons. Um, outside of television, they've made one thing that I thought was interesting was they've made several, several, several video games—twenty-seven video games in total, ranging from the NES platform, not the Super NES, to the original NES, all the way up till today on our uh, phone apps. My two first personal favorites our virtual Bart for the super for the super NES and the original Simpsons arcade game that I'm pretty sure our skating rink had for a while. That was a really cool game. If you weren't playing the Simpsons arcade game, like what were you doing with your life? The Simpsons have a double platinum album and a theme park ride at Universal Studios, Florida and Hollywood. It's Universal fun. Universal Studios Hollywood.
1: It's fun. I'll give him that. A- I
2: myself am not a uh, a roller coaster guy or a rides guy, but I would love to do the Simpsons ride. That would be awesome. <clears throat> also, too, in two thousand and seven, they made a little movie, actually a very highly anticipated movie called The Simpsons Movie. This movie was huge, nominated for numerous awards. And it made half a billion at the box office with an 88% score on Rotten Tomatoes and featured Mr. Tom Hanks, who is also the actor in Forrest (laughs) Gump.
1: There we go. There we go. There it is. One, one.
2: I had another one too, but I had to skip it for time. It's okay. Even even some of the Simpsons competitors like South Park and Family Guy – have featured them. Elrod covered the crossover episode there, so I'm not going to that, but even also South Park had a Simpsons Did It episode where everything that South Park's doing, there's his kids going, Simpsons Did It, The Simpsons Did It. Even like in today's time, The Simpsons still remain relevant in pop culture in 2020. One example of this is like their use in memes. Probably the most memorable meme with The Simpsons is the one where, Homer kind of goes out of the bushes and then he goes back into the bushes. You see it used a lot on like bandwagon teams. (laughs) And one of the, one of the other ones that you see quite a bit that you probably didn't think about until now is you've got Lisa that looks really mad and behind her is like the projector screen and people put their little saying behind that. That's just another one that they that people use a lot for the Simpsons. Now, if you will close your eyes for a second and, try to imagine a world without the Simpsons. Is this the kind of world that we want to live in? (laughs) I don't think so. I know for a fact that all three of us have been impacted by the Simpsons in some way, shape, or form, and there's no denying their place among the top of pop culture history.
0: All right. Well, guys, a couple more topics here um, that we will try to get through fairly quickly. Uh, we don't want a 17 hour show. Uh, but Bennett, both of you will, can't give me an in-depth list on this topic because both of you could go on for a very long time yet again. So just the highlights, gentlemen, But tell me about some of the guest appearances on these shows. And, Bennett, we will start with you and The Simpsons.
2: Well, for some crazy reason, if I don't win any other of the topics tonight that we cover, (laughs) I have to win this category for guest appearances. During their three-decade run, they have had a huge, staggering list of guest appearances. I'm going to try to run through these really, 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 really quick. I'm going to have to leave a ton of them out. These are just the ones that I thought were of note. I'm leaving a ton of them out here. you got Ron Howard and Alec Baldwin in the very same episode. you got Danny DeVito, who played Homer's long-lost brother, Herb, whom Homer winds up ruining his uh, car business. When Homer got to make a car, that's a good episode. You got Joe Namath who stops by the Simpsons' house when his car broke down. Jim Varney, which you may not know off the top of the bat who that is, but he played Ernest and all those Ernest goes to camp Ernest yeah. does this. Those were huge in the nineties. He was on there. He was a he oh, car- was, was a car- carny worker. Do what?
0: He also played Jed Clampett in he the- wow. did.
1: that was a terrible movie. Terrible movie. Ooh. What? <laughs> terrible movie. I love that movie.
0: Well, you would. was that a terrible movie?
1: Because it was like one third of the show. One third of the show. Like if the show is a hundred percent, the movie's a thirty-three percent.
0: You are insane. That was like one of Rob Schneider's first movies.
1: Yeah, not a fan.
2: What? All right. Moving along. This is, is a list of people that have. They didn't play a character. They actually went on the show and played themselves. Mel Brooks, Paul and Linda McCartney, Mark Hamill, Bob Hope, Betty White, Willie Nelson, George Carlin, Ringo Starr, Alex Trebek, George Harrison, the cast of Cheers, Buzz Aldrin, Conan O'Brien, James Earl Jones, Barry White, Stephen Hawking, Mickey Rooney, Leonard Nimoy, and Ronnie Dangerfield. They all played themselves. A few more real quick. Penny Marshall, she played Mrs. Botts, which was a thief that was disguised as a babysitter, and she tries to kill Bart, but Bart ruins her plans of uh, kind of like stealing or uh, burglarizing the Simpsons' household. I had no idea that was Penny Marshall that played her, Mrs. Botts. Johnny Cash, this one is a huge one. He is, and this is one of the episodes I didn't quite get to talk about, but he was the voice of the coyote, And Homer's like mythical quest Homer was eating these hot peppers and he pretty much goes on like an acid trip. And there's this coyote. That's his spirit guide on this journey. And Homer is trying to find enlightenment and he's trying to find his like his Marge his really like his love of his life. So they get Johnny cash to play this talking coyote. That's a career-defying move when you can get Johnny Cash to come on your show and play the role of a magical talking coyote. That is insane. You've got Michael Jackson, who played Leon Kapowski, which was a mental patient that Homer meets that has this singing talent, and he wound up singing Lisa a birthday song. Michael Jackson didn't get credit for this, but it is obviously Michael Jackson if you go back and watch the episode my favorite episode of all time. I didn't get to talk about this one either, but basically half of the 1992 all-star team was in an episode called Homer at bat. I'm trying to think who all was in it. Ozzy Smith, Ken Griffey Jr., Jose Canseco, Roger Clemens, Dell Strawberry, uh, Don Mattingly, Steve Sachs. Um, I think that's pretty much the most of them, but this is funny too, because, um, uh, Mr. Burns, to show how old he was, he was trying to put together this team. And the people that he wanted on his team was, like, Ty Cobb, Honus Wagner. um people, uh, Was it Three Finger – what's his name? Three Finger Brown, is that what his name was? The pitcher that had three fingers? Something like that. And Smithers was, like – uh, your, okay, he had like the, his roster that he wanted and Smither was like, oh, your shortstop's been dead for 117 years, sir. <laughs> but but that's, that's my all-time favorite episode. You need to go watch it if you hadn't. And the very last one that I admittedly did not realize this is who this was, but Sideshow Bob, a recurring character, a very prominent character, is voiced by Kelsey Kramer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's crazy. I did not know that. There's a ton of other ones, but I just don't have time to list them all. This was just a highlight of some of the people that have been on The Simpsons.
0: Bennett, you missed
2: a rep point there. Brett
0: the Hitman Hart's on there too. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, myself, and Mr. Bennett, uh, probably a year or so ago, uh, started dabbling in a very expensive hobby uh, of collecting action figures, specifically wrestling action figures. But when I was starting my collection, the very first figure I bought to start that collection was actually a Simpsons action figure. But it was a Simpsons action figure of Bret the Hitman, (laughs) Uh, strangely um, enough. Elrod, family guy too, has had its share. Of guest appearances on the show tell me about them
1: they have now in terms of quantity I'm not going to win this category I mean Simpsons have been around a lot longer and they've got more prominent people that have been on their show but I alluded to this earlier the Family Guy folks do a great job of bringing these obscure people on the show and bringing their popularity into the modern-day arena Let's talk about my favorite all-time episode of Family Guy is the one where uh, Stewie is going to Brian and he's demanding, where's my money? Where's my money? Hmm. You really don't know why uh, Brian owes Stewie money until you see the very end. Carol Channing. Carol Channing was this obscure Broadway actor Uh, She had some screen roles, but she's just – she's an obscure actor. She's not these people that Bennett mentioned earlier. And her relationship with this episode is this. Brian owed Stewie money, you find out, because he made a $50 bet that Carol Channing would beat Mike Tyson in a celebrity boxing match. And Carol Channing ends up beating Mike Tyson and Stewie – is owed $50 from the fight. And the entire episode is Stewie trying to beat up Brown to get his money back. Another guest appearance that, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, family guy is relentless in their, um, in their comedy on how I met your mother and how I met your mother. Those folks play along. They come on the show all the time. It's a recurring jab, uh, one of the episodes, uh, Barney and Ted reveal their true feelings for one another on Family Guy, and there's a cutaway scene where (laughs) where Barney takes out a condom and tells Ted to, quote, suit up. Um, We talked about Robert Downey Jr. earlier coming on the show before Iron Man. Drew Barrymore uh, is another guest that is a recurring guest. Uh, Seth McFarlane, uh, this is one of their first uh, true guest appearances that they had on the show, and she has been back nearly every season. And Seth McFarlane, to this day, really credits Drew Barrymore in helping Family Guy get wings in terms of what it's able to do and to take off. Brian Cranston, uh, before he was on Breaking Bad, he was on Family Guy. He had Malcolm the Middle. Malcolm the Middle was also on Fox. It did quite well. But Brian Cranston did not have the popularity yet that he got in Breaking Bad. And he credits the show Family Guy into bringing him more into the mainstream. So we may not have Iron Man if it wasn't for Family Guy. We may not have the number one show of all time in terms of show – on imdb we may not have breaking bad if it's not for family guy let's talk about two more people barry manilow barry manilow popular singer but he appeared on the show they all claim um, peter hates barry manilow there's this episode Where he says, "I just hate Barry Manilow." He goes to a Barry Manilow show, and he leaves. (laughs) He says, "You can't just just can't hate that guy. You just can't hate that guy." You mentioned this person earlier, Bennett. Betty White has also been on Family Guy. She's been on Family Guy uh, not just once. She has been uh, (laughs) she's been on Family Guy on an episode where. Peter finds a knack for writing erotic fiction. And who is the voiceover for these erotic books by Peter Griffin? Betty White. (laughs) Betty White. The Golden Girl star herself. Finally, let's talk about the one actor. This is, we we talked about the Family Guy effect earlier, but this actor right here uh, really credits Family Guy. And to making him the star or the success he is today, and that's Mr. James Woods. James Woods had a had a decent career before Family Guy, but they bring him on. <laughs> There's been a couple times where they had an episode where it was basically like Clue, like Clue, like Who Done It, and it's none other than James Woods. James Woods is like the undercurrent villain on the show. It's always up to something. He's all, he always makes fun of himself on the show. He always talks about himself in the third person most times. It, he did the same thing in The Simpsons before. But that's why, uh, that's what a lot of people don't know about James Woods. He was on The Simpsons. He later comes on Family Guy. He's in a ton of episodes. He uh, was, was also in Tom Tucker's The Man in His Dream. He can, uh, he's always trying to cause mischief in Kohog. So James Woods, Carol Shannon, examples of people that are not Johnny Cash. They're not top-billed actors and, and musicians. But there are people that get brought on by Seth MacFarlane because Seth MacFarlane is a huge fan of pop culture. Huge fan. He's a fan of pop culture in terms of people that don't get a lot of notoriety or credit. But once they come on his show, Family Guy, it just – in terms of the audience, in terms of the 20 to 30 crowd, their popularity explodes. So that's just a sample of people that Family Guy uh, has brought on. And like I said, right, if I don't win a know this, if it wasn't for Family Guy, you don't get Iron Man. You don't get Breaking Bad. So there you go.
0: You remember how they caught James Woods? I do not. Ooh, peace candy. Ooh, peace candy. Ooh, p Um <laughs> 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 This says it every episode. Uh, I get it.
2: But I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: This, do what. I,
2: <laughs> I know exactly what you're thinking about, too.
0: This legitimately is my favorite episode we've ever done. I'm, this is a blast. Yeah. Um, Anyway, they caught James Woods by leading a candy trail to a box. It was held up by a stick. And as he picked up every single one, he was going, ooh, Oop ooh, scared! Be piscay. Oh, this is my favorite episode. All right, guys, but we are winding it down. Elrod. Yeah. When all is said and done, what will be Family Guy's Legacy?
1: The legacy of family guy. I alluded to this fact earlier, but let's go back to it. The Parents Television Council is this conservative, like, watchdog, one of these groups that really wants to get these shows off television that are a bad influence over children. But the Parents Television Council, you ask about what the legacy is, the PTC has voted Family Guy on 40 different occasions as the worst television show on earth for stuff that they talk about, for the motifs, for the subject matter. If you haven't watched Family Guy, if you've been under a rock for the last 20 years, you turn, you turn on the television, you're going to see offensive jokes. You're going to see a lot of racial humor a lot of gore, a lot of gory, a lot of blood. Yeah, most episodes are going to be violent. But it's kind of, it's funny, though, because of the pop culture that they bring into it. It's just the satirical view on pop culture. In 2016, the New York Times had a study of the 50 television shows with the most Facebook likes. Family Guy has the most. So it's still to this day, for our age group, for that 20 to 30 to 35 age group, Family Guy is still very popular. It's still very relevant. In terms of the syndication, it's generated a billion dollars in revenue in the reruns on television, $400 million from the syndication, 400 million from DVD sales, and 200 million for merchandise sales. If you look at other awards that it's got, got 27 Emmy Awards er, with eight wins. Uh, Seth MacFarlane uh, has won uh, outstanding voiceover performance for his role as Stewie. Uh, Some of the, uh, it's won awards for its animation. It's won awards for sound. It's uh, some of the episodes especially those road two episodes has won uh, awards for best overall episodes in 20, in 2006 and 2008 In 2009, it was nominated for an outstanding comedy series uh, for an Emmy. And it was the first animated program nominated in this category since Fred Flintstone himself way back when in 1961. The Simpsons was almost nominated for that award in 1993, but the voters at the time were hesitant in putting a cartoon show up against live action programs. So it was the first animated program to win an outstanding Emmy, Emmy comedy award in over 30 years. Uh, the show has won a Grammy. It's, it's been nominated for other awards, Teen Choice Awards, People's Choice Awards, in 2000, in, in the thousandth, uh, let's see, yeah, in the one thousand episode of Entertainment Weekly's program, Brian Griffin was selected as the dog of the year. Uh, how about that? In 2004 and 2007, TV Guide ranked Family Guy in the top 20 of their top cult shows of all time. Now, we talked about how the PTC has been on this crusade to get family guy off of television. They, they compare it to the, the Simpsons, but they says it lacks, it has a sophomoric mind that lacks any reference point to any television shows. Basically the PTC folks say that the family guy folks are basically the Simpsons folks without any, uh, material humor, without any, anything like that. But what makes Family Guy so relevant is the different things that it talks about, the different uh, pop culture things that br- they bring into every episode. What do I mean by that? The, the government of Venezuela was so offended by one of their episodes where it talked about pot that it, they made a special crime that if you watch Family Guy, you go to prison. That's how bad and that's how <laughs> the elite countries have went to ban Family Guy. You go uh, that, that was back in 2009. You come closer to 2010. Sarah Palin had just uh, uh, just finished her campaign. Her, and, uh, her and McCain got beat. There's no secret that Sarah Palin has a child with Down syndrome. So what do you think Seth MacFarlane did in 2009? He uh, he went after her. And one of his characters in the episode has Down syndrome. And although he doesn't mention Palin by name, you pretty much know that uh, the person in the episode's mother is the governor of alaska so he he didn't come out and say this kid was a palin but palin Sarah palin was irate over this he's the thing about family guys they're not afraid to offend anybody he seth McFarlane lets his political views be known he is a very he's very liberal but the the group of people that probably hate him the most are the, are the trans community or are the, are the far left folks. He's not afraid to go after anybody. And that's a mark of a true uh, It's a true person that is uh, in the entertainment community. You see today people, they, they want to be slanted one way. Seth McFarlane, he, he'll offend anybody in the world. But he knows it's just for entertainment. He's not trying to make someone feel bad. He just wants a laugh. So in terms of Family Guy, it's all about the laugh. It's not about what they're trying to portray. It's all for laughs. And that's what Seth McFarlane's been about since the the very beginning. And he's made some people mad along the way, but it's been a truly successful show. It may not have the volume. I'll get more into that closing arguments. It's all about the laugh.
2: Quick question: Who do you think has made more people mad, Seth McFarlane or uh, uh, his name just uh, Scott? No, um, creators of South Park, Matt Parker and Trey Stone.
1: <laughs> probably equal. I would say that the the comedy on South Park will probably make people because they just come out with it. They, they would say this kid is the Down Syndrome kid. It's Palin. They would go right at it.
2: That's true.
1: McFarland uh, Staff McFarland tries to walk a line where he doesn't mention these people by name, but you know who he's making fun of. So, I think South Park is more in your face. They, they just don't care. Yeah, <laughs> they don't care about them, your feelings.
2: Both of them go just right at it. It's yeah. Ruthless.
0: All right, Bennett. Edith. If- <laughs> the simpsons ever ends who knows it may not it's gone 32 years what when all said none what is the what will the legacy be for the simpsons
2: all right let's go back in time again 1989 george h w bush has just taken office after reagan the very first Batman movie Changed My Life. We talked about this before Michael when Keaton. that was released.
1: I <laughs> you're yeah. just trying to get rep points now. This is unfair.
2: I'm just I'm just stating facts. <laughs> stating some facts. Seinfeld premiered on TV. <laughs> the the original Game Boy was released and the Berlin Wall was brought down. And also the very first season of the Simpsons aired on Fox. It seems like forever ago. You know, we're talking three decades, and here we are three decades later, and the Simpsons are still going, still going strong. But why? What has made them so enduring? I'll tell you what it is. It's because they are relatable. I think we all know a homer, or we all know a Bart, or even a Flanders, in our lives. If we don't know them, that's probably because it's you.
1: <laughs>
2: they are—they're a family, you know. We relate to them. They're—they're they're more than just that comedy entertainment. We watch the Simpsons succeed. We watch them fail as a family. We watch them pull through some troubling times as a family, and of course, they make us laugh. You know, the Simpsons have. They've been through a lot. There's episodes that are funny. There's episodes that have more of something where they touch on some sort of uh, topic, whether it be like uh, infidelity or some other stuff. They also kind of, they bridge the generational gap. And if you think about it in nearly every episode, you know, you've got, you've got your kids jokes that kids think's funny And there's also the ones that kind of slip by them that are more adult humor, but they're not so vulgar that the kids are like, oh my gosh, you know, it's the ones that the adults appreciate. Basically it's something for the whole family. The Simpsons is a show that I could sit down with, with my son when he gets a little bit older and it's something that we could watch together and he gets something from it and I get something from it. Right. That's probably like your current situation. Now y'all could sit down together and, you know, she gets something from it and you get something from it. And it could be different things but both of y'all are entertained, you know. I'm not sure if I would want to sit down with my son and watch Family Guy with him. Maybe I'm that's not. a show that, <laughs> that just dad watches whenever he goes to bed. Mm-hmm. Also too, other than being relatable, the Simpsons are influential. They, they prove that... You could have an animated series for adults and that it can be successful in a variety of formats. Not just TV, merch, pop culture, movies, video games, all that. You can be successful in all that. They paved the way for the other shows like we talked about South Park, King of the Hill, Beavis and Butthead, American Dad, Futurama, which is also another Matt Groening. Maybe we don't get Futurama if The Simpsons taint. I don't know. Family Guy and even some more of the current shows you think about like Rick and Morty and Bob's Burgers, all of these kind of have these little influences that they pulled from the Simpsons over the years. As the Family Guy creator, Seth MacFarlane puts it, the Simpsons created an audience for primetime animation that had not been there for many years. As far as I'm concerned, they basically reinvented the wheel they created what is in many ways you could classify as a whole new medium.
0: All right, guys. I've got a couple quick questions, 30 seconds or less. I've got two questions for each of you. Okay. I will start with you, Bennett. 30 seconds or less. Address the criticism Against The Simpsons, that they haven't been good for the last 10 years, and that those episodes have dropped off and they drag and they're well past their prime. What's your argument to that?
2: Argument to that is I think it's an unfair assessment. I see where people are making that from, but you got to look at too the what they call the golden era of The Simpsons was like the first nine, 10, 11, Seasons. That was the golden era for the Simpsons. But the Simpsons set that bar so high, and they did something. They were breaking records. They were, like, setting the way. And when you reach a certain height, you're going to expect some regression over the years. It's not to say they've gotten any worse, but once you get so high, the only thing you can do is go back down a little bit. We're talking about over 600 episodes. You're going to start to run out of all your good ideas. So I'm sure it gets difficult to come up with stuff over the years that was as great. You can't copy what you've already done. And it's not fair, too, to say that they have regressed because if you look across the board, I went and looked at The Simpsons, I went and looked at Family Guy, and I went and looked at South Park, three of my favorite uh, shows. And if you look at the numbers year by year, all three of these have declined a little bit over the years as far as viewership goes. So, it's not just the Simpsons. I think they just get unfairly targeted because of the the height that they set to begin with. Gotcha.
0: Elrod, 30 seconds or less. Address the criticism. Family Guy was canceled. Family Guy has not been a constant. Family Guy took a hiatus. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that make it a lesser show? The fact that it did, by a lot of the measurables, flop at different points.
1: I don't think so. I mean, Seth MacFarlane says that the hiatus is probably the best thing that ever happened to the show. The if it was not a good show, it would not have been it would not have been a success DVD wise. It would have the, we talked about this earlier, but it had the unfortunate uh, spot of being put up against. I mean, who was not watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in, not, in 99, 2000? I mean, we we all three were. It had the, and that was the age group. It, it wants the teens, the young adults. We were all watching something else. And that's Fox's problem. That, that wasn't Seth McFarlane's fault. It was just the unfortunate, uh, fortunate spot it was put in it, it, it true it hasn't had a consistent from the start but it, it, I, I would argue that it wasn't its fault it was just the nature of the beast
0: and last question for each of you and they're, they're similar questions but Elrod both these shows have a lot of things going for them something that's well known well liked, iconic about both these shows is their theme songs. Their openers. Why is the Family Guy theme song better than The Simpsons?
1: Uh why is the Family Guy theme song better? Um the theme song is more catchy. I would say the words. I mean, Family or Simpsons has that iconic music, but in terms of of the actual words of the song, I think Family Guy's got it beat.
0: Bennett. Same question except reversed. Why is the Simpsons opening theme better than Family Guy's?
2: Are we talking the whole entire theme, or sure. just the music?
0: Sure, whole thing. Why not?
2: Well, as far as the music goes, there's no words other than just the Simpsons. And one thing that's a huge Easter egg in the Simpsons is that very opening part where it's like it shows the sky and it shows the Simpsons. If you you click at the right time, it'll say the simps, which is important because you think of a simp, it's a simple, you know, a simpleton, a simple person, which is kind of a lot of like making fun of uh, America and like the stereotype it is. And I also talked about to earlier how every single episode, that opening theme song, the chalkboard gags, different. Lisa's saxophone solo as she goes out of class is different. And then you know, you know as well as all, all three of us do, you can't wait to see what kind of couch gag they're gonna do, because it's always something, it's always something different every time. That's that's amazing how they can do a different couch gag every single episode. So to me, I think The Simpsons is way more creative in their opening theme. And I enjoy the music too. The music's catchy.
0: All right. Closing argument.
1: Right. I'm just glutton for punishment on this show. And why do I say that? Let's look at the positions I've took over the course of this show. I tried to convince somebody. I don't know if it was you or Bennett, that the Eagles were better than the Beatles. I tried to convince the world that George Strait was better than Garth Brooks, which I truly don't believe, but that's the position I took. Basically, I'm the underdog in every episode. Every episode we've had, I have t- I have been the underdog going against the other guy. And I would venture to say this. This one has been my toughest one, more so than the Eagles and the Beatles. This one right here, because you have to go up against the history when you make this argument. You've got a show that's been on there longer than I've been alive. Has never been canceled. It's a very difficult position to take, especially when your show has been canceled once, as you just said. But he, hear me out. Like fine wine and like me, Family Guy gets better with age. If you look at what the critics say on any uh, platform, Family Guy started out, it was kind of bumpy, but Family Guy caught its uh, Legs in the uh, mid-2000s. Right now, it's still primetime television. It has a primetime spot. People, it's still relevant. People still like it. That 20, Family Guy is not for eight, nine, or 10-year-olds. I would not suggest letting a child watch Family Guy because of some of the things it covers and <laughs> among other things. Family Guy, though, has done a very good job of of knowing who its audience is and giving them what they want. It's always fresh. It's always bringing up these things from the past about pop culture and putting it in the present and making it popular. Family or Simpsons, the only knock against the Simpsons is this, that after season 11, the quality of the show is not as good. It's not as good. It's not that... The Simpsons was so good, and it continues to be good. It's, it's been a quite a drop-off if you look online, at some of what the critics say, when you compare the, the, the present 19 seasons compared to the first 11. You don't have that with Family Guy. Family Guy is relevant. Family Guy is funny. It's a funnier show. For our age group, if you, if you pop in Family Guy, a modern-day Family Guy episode, a modern-day Simpsons episode, there's no doubt the Family Guy episode much funnier. It's more Laugh Out Loud than a modern-day Simpsons episode. And I talked about this earlier, Rudd. At the end of the day, it's all about the laugh. As Seth MacFarlane would say, it's all about the laugh. Right now, Family Guy is still getting those laughs. But my question is, is The Simpsons? I don't think so. When you compare the, the two franchises. I don't, and it's not like Fox is not going to cancel The Simpsons. That would be sacrilege for them. But Family Guy, Simpsons. 1A, 1B right now in terms of animated comedies on television. Family Guy takes a day.
0: In it, closing argument?
2: Yeah, um, talking about the Simpsons and how they've fallen off. You got to look at the 2007 movie that was put out. What twenty some years after they um, after they started, and it still generated half a billion in sales. So people are still interested in the Simpsons. Um, like I said, I looked at two. If you look across the board at all, not just the Simpsons, South Park, Family Guy, all of them, if you pull up the graph, every single one of these is dropping off slightly in viewership year after year. It's not just the Simpsons. But what I think the Simpsons have going for them is they do have some pop culture references. They've had people come on there that may have been relevant to the 90s or the early 2000s. <clears throat> but when you go back, let's say you're a you're new into animation or watching these shows and you start watching Family Guy season one, season two, season three. Some of these pop culture references that they're so heavily in, you're not going to get and you're going to have to go back and get on Wikipedia and be like, OK, what was this? OK, what are they making fun of this? Why are they making fun of this? Blah, 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 blah. With The Simpsons, they're not so much pop culture oriented, which may hurt them now because you, see, you don't have the relevancy, but you can watch a Simpsons episode from 1989 and it still be, you still get something from it as much as you did back then, because there's not so much of that gap in the pop culture references. The Simpsons, what they are good at is being the standard of success on TV animation. They're the first successful animated program in primetime TV since the 70s, like I talked about, that paved the way for the future shows. That show in the 70s was the Flintstones, by the way. The Simpsons have 95 Primetime Emmy Award nominations with 34 wins, 34 Annie Awards, which Annie Awards are specifically for animated series. They, they won 12 straight on top of that, too. They have a Peabody Award and also a star on the Hollywood Boulevard. In February of 97, right about the time King of the Hill is getting ready to gear up, they became the longest-running primetime animated series. 2004, they became the longest-running sitcom in the U.S. Flash forward to 2009, their 435th episode became a world record for the longest-running sitcom in their 21st season. It passed Gunsmoke as the longest-running American scripted primetime series. 1999, Time Magazine named The Simpsons the the century's best TV series. Also that year, Time Magazine included Bart on their list of 100 most influential people. He was the only uh, fictional character to make that list. Uh, Flash forward one year to 2000, Entertainment Weekly called The Simpsons the greatest TV show of the 90s. 2002, TV Guide ranked the show number eight in the 50 greatest greatest TV shows of all time. 2008, Entertainment Weekly, listed their top 100 shows of the last 25 years. Simpsons was number one. 2010, Entertainment Weekly, named Homer Simpson the greatest character of the last 20 years. Uh, TV critics, I'm probably going to butcher his name, Alan Sippenwall. And Matt Zoller named The Simpsons the greatest American TV series of all time. Now, I had a chance to interview a few of the fine folks of Springfield and get their thoughts about the show. I asked Mr. Burns what he thought about the series. He said, It was excellent. <laughs> I asked the Duff man from Duff Beer, if the Simpsons should win this debate. And he said, oh, yeah. And I asked the comic book guy. I asked him what he thought about the Simpsons. And he said, best show ever. Now, look, both of these (laughs) shows are funny. Both of them are extremely successful franchises, huge in pop culture. They're a gift to us in TV form. But we have to acknowledge that the longevity and the influence that The Simpsons have had, not just on television, but in the 20th and the 21st century, separates them from Family Guy and really any other animated show for that matter. As much as that pains me to say about King of the Hill, if, if, I, if I laid all the evidence out in front of you, as I have, this should not be as difficult of a decision as it was for me with the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson decision that you guys tasked me to have. So when it comes down to it, between Family Guy and The Simpsons, I feel like it's The Simpsons.
0: All right, guys. Both strong arguments. Both good arguments. Still a line from Bennett, as I've already alluded to, this is legitimately my favorite episode we've ever done. And to give my thoughts and my critiques, I will start with Elrod and I will do it in the fashion and in the form of a Stewie Griffin compliment sandwich, where I will go the good, the bad, and then the good again. Family Guy, for me personally, first of all, I love both of these shows are, are two of my favorites. I've seen not all 948 episodes combined probably, but I've seen a good, good number of both. With Family Guy, the pop culture references, the quote unquote, intelligent humor. You, you've got to know certain things and there are certain jokes on Family Guy that a lot of people don't get because they don't get the basis of the joke. But if you get it, it's one of the, it's absolutely hilarious. And as far as legitimate laugh out loud, belly laugh moments, Family Guy probably has more they typically don't fall into the story of the episode is the the thing which leads to my other favorite part of Family Guy probably what Family Guy is most noted for is the cutaways their random cutaway moments are what make Family Guy Um, based on those will forever keep it a special part in my heart Family Guy came to prominence when I was in high school, when I was in the early part of college. That humor at that age, and especially if you get the jokes, if you're in the know and get that intelligent humor, makes it absolutely hilarious. Now for the middle part of the Stewie Griffin compliment sandwich. There are times... I believe Family Guy goes too far (laughs) in in some aspects. Um, There are times where they do things that make me cringe more than make me laugh. Now I can understand why other people might find it hilarious. Uh, There are things I find hilarious that probably make other people cringe. there are cringe moments and i believe they go too far and i do think that they are more adult based whereas in i wouldn't want full disclosure my 6 year old the other day i was up and about doing something and didn't realize she was watching family guy and she was like she made the comment to me daddy this show is funny and then i noticed what she was watching and I said, yeah, honey, it is, as I changed the channel to something else. Um, don't think it's quite re- – she's quite ready for that yet. I don't know that I would want her watching that quite yet. So I do think they take it too far sometimes. Uh, I do think it's not made for children at all. Um, now back to the Good. Your Cleveland impression has been the highlight of this show.
1: <laughs>
0: Hands down. For bonus points, do it again.
1: No.
2: <laughs> you have selected? No. <laughs> no.
1: That's nasty. <laughs>
0: now, now to Bennett. The Simpsons, my compliment sandwich to the Simpsons talking about how there's been alluded to a lot of how a child and an adult can both appreciate it. And I think the Simpsons has those moments, those teaching moments, those feel good moments, those heartfelt moments that you expect to get out of sitcoms. Family Guy really doesn't have those. Uh, Were the Simpsons – Simpsons does have a lot of, of teaching moments mixed in with the comedy. The point where if my six-year-old was watching the Simpsons, I don't know if she's quite ready, but I would not be as quick to change the channel uh, as I was when she was watching Family Guy. Um, so I do think that wide audience there, uh, I think the storytelling as a whole in the Simpsons per episode is better. Like I said, the main part of family guy is the cutaways the stuff that really didn't go into the story they're trying to tell as far as telling stories the writing there I do give it to the Simpsons middle part of the compliment sandwich I don't think the Simpsons is as good now as it was 20 30 years ago it's just not that being said how could it be <laughs> um there's really no precedent to look at any other shows that have been on the air for 30 years, but I assume anything that has, you're taxing your writers to stay at a high level, especially when they started off as high as they were. You're taxing your writers, your creative guys, to maintain that level for 30 freaking years. Um, now, back to the good part The Simpsons is absolutely one of the most iconic shows to ever be on television. It is the germ, as you said, Seth MacFarlane said, in a way they reinvented the wheel and made it possible for us to have all these animated shows. Uh, The impact on pop culture is insane. Everybody knows The Simpsons. A lot of people know The Family Guy. Everybody knows The Simpsons. They're just a juggernaut so with that being said tonight I have been convinced and the winner is going to be the Simpsons but Elrod to ease your pain here's Mr. Conway Twitty <laughs>
1: Uh, well, let me say it's my ship will come in. And I do
0: want to say, you talk about, oh, I'm the underdog, yada, yada, yada. You pick your sides on these arguments. You <laughs> pick yourself in these positions.
1: I know, I know.
0: So, Mr. Bennett, congratulations.
2: That was uh, That was one I thoroughly enjoyed doing the research on for sure, my favorite episode we've ever done. Forget all the others. This is the one. <laughs> this is the
1: one.
0: All right, you also lost points for saying the Beverly Hillbillies was a bad movie.
1: Oh, come on. You would movie. like that show. you that movie. You would like that movie.
2: Negative points for not mentioning Kiss. It's very heavily in Family Guy. Mm.
0: You missed a rep point there.
1: I, Big time. I made up for it by the like ten, Cleveland. break. <laughs> <right now. laughs> Oh,
0: man. Well, guys, that was our most anticipated episode ever. And I think it lived up to the hype, Uh, myself personally. Mr. Bennett comes away with the win. Will he come away with the win next week? He's going up against me. And what we're going to be debating is up to you guys. Go over to Twitter. Twitter. At Convince Me Show and place your vote on what you want next week's topic to be when it's myself versus Mr. Bennett. And your choices are as follows. Choice number one is going to be one that narrowly lost the first poll we put up. And that is going to be what is the most likely conspiracy theory? Uh, and to give you a little more in depth on that, I will be taking uh, the conspiracies surrounding the assassination of one John F. Kennedy and Mr. Bennett, I believe if he hasn't changed his stance, will be taking on the conspiracy surrounding the existence of Bigfoot. So uh, most likely conspiracy theories is option A. Option B is a follow up to our second episode ever. The first argument ever of myself versus Mr. Bennett and a point that we really didn't get to in that episode. It's going to be kind of part two, but really more of a spin-off in our Alison Chains versus Nirvana showdown. Except this time we're narrowing in specifically on the MTV unplugged albums. So it's going to be Alison Chains Unplugged versus Nirvana Unplugged. Both fantastic albums. Uh, that is option B. Option C, college football. The ACC kicked off this last weekend and a few others, uh, stragglers out there. Uh, we are in September now. The SEC will kick off before, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. We want to look at in option C, the greatest – NCAA college quarterback of all time. And I'll go ahead and tell you what those are gonna be. Myself arguing Tim Tebow. Lost and Mr. Mm-hmm. Bennett arguing the great Roger Stahlback, unless he's changed his answer on that one too.
2: Nope. My Notice eyes. there's no no Peyton Manning. Oh uh, it say. should
0: be. Oh, no, they shouldn't because O oh, and four. <laughs> um, so that would be option C. And then option D, one of the most popular episodes we've done on this show, um, I believe was me versus Bennett in that one too. And that was our episode on Dwayne the Rock Johnson versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. We pitted two of the most iconic wrestlers. Uh, Of an era against each other Well option D this week For you guys to choose We're pitting one Iconic wrestler Against himself Because if we go with option D We're going with the immortal Hulk Hogan But it's going to be The baby face (laughs) Hulkamania Vitamin taken Prayer saying Hulk Hogan against the heel leader of the NWO spray painting his enemies and telling his little hulk to shove it heel bad guy Hulk Hogan so those are your options most likely conspiracy theory Allison Chains versus Nirvana unplugged greatest college quarterback of all time or good guy Hulk Hogan versus bad guy Hulk Hogan, head over to Twitter at Convince Me Show. By the time you're hearing this, the poll will be up. Go cast your vote. Whichever gets the most votes will be our topic for next week's show. Um, hopefully, whatever wins, it won't take us two weeks to get to that particular topic like it did this one. Uh, Bennett, Elron, any parting words?
1: Good episode guys good episode i was the underdog once again i've brought the continuity back to the show coming back on this week the show's no no flames anymore so you're welcome you're welcome that,
0: that being said a rod we're happy you're healthy we're happy you're back we're happy you're back to your losing place <laughs> all is right in the world again bennett any parting words from you
2: uh yeah this was this really was a, a great episode and uh I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys pick next week. We've got four really good options. I'm excited with any of them. So I can't wait to see what you guys pick. Yeah,
0: it's going to be fun. It's going to be your decision. And uh, it's going to be a blast. And like I said, hopefully it doesn't take us three weeks to get to whatever you guys choose. So for myself, for Mr. Bennett, for Mr. Elrod – Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you all again next week. Until then, peace. Goodbye, everybody.